Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, Northampton Town Audio Show. I'm Tom Reeves, and in a cake-themed episode, I'm joined by Victorian Sponge Brandt, Jefferson <laughs> Cake, and I'm sorry about this, Bren Donuts Walsh. How are you doing, guys? You're all right. <laughs> Harsh. That's all right. <laughs> sorry, Brendan. Oh. So I couldn't think of a cake to go with your name, mate. You can have a think about it during the uh, the episode. <laughs> Is donut a cake? Does that count? It's yeah, definitely. It's a pastry. I'll take I'll take it. Okay, yeah, it is. It's it's like pastry gate. We're gonna have to work out if it's a cake or a pastry. But um, yeah, how you doing, Ian? I know you've been coming up with some new features for this show, including East Stand update and Book Science Lab. Have you got any further <laughs> on Book Science Lab at all? <laughs> oh, Book Science Lab. Oh. Yeah. In fact, I've got I've got him here with me now. Do you want to have a word with him? Hi, um, <laughs> Cobblers fans. <laughs> Most of them can't be used of these ideas. Cobblers legend books here. All round good egg. Just want to say what the real people are thinking. <laughs> uh, Ian, have you got a football moment of the week for us? I wanted to talk to you about this new Forest Green um, complex. It's not even, I was going to say stadium. It's not even just a stadium is it it's a amazing. whole complex amazing it just shows goes to show doesn't it where where there's a wheel there's a way hey eh? training ground as well made of yeah. made of wood archaeological dig as well it thrown in just for a bit of you know for all those history books out there. yeah um yeah i mean like i don't know how they're gonna pay for it all is uh what most cobblers fans would say if it was us wouldn't they but Obviously, they've got someone who's willing to chuck the money in. So fair yeah. play to them. This goes to show, though, doesn't it? Where, where there's a will, there's a way. And it's like, because when uh, the trust did their um, Q&A and like, they got some answers, it was the opposite, wasn't it? It was like, no, we don't believe in if you build it, they will come. We don't, we don't, we don't think that. We think um, they're not yeah. going to come, so don't build it. Kind of, <laughs> that, that kind of like... <laughs> philosophy on it which is really <laughs> inspirational and motivational for, for cobblers fans and growing the fan base but um yeah this is this is the opposite isn't it because obviously they haven't got the greatest following forest green but this guy's sticking the money in i i think it's just the most amazing thing like you know i'm a bit of an against modern football thing but i just think just for a lot the vision of the place that even seems to be you know you've got spanish uh, heritage ian 
You've got to bring up the, the picture of it in front of you. There seems to be a little mini ball ring, uh, number two on the map. I, I can't believe it's a ball ring with the uh, eco. Benny, Benny Are they doing ball fighting at um, Forest Greenian? Can't believe that. Oh, if any club was ever going to ball fighting. No, I, you know, I've been to, um, I've been, like, I was in Spain once for a fiesta where my, my, my relatives live and they were, the balls were out there, you know, and like they were run, they did the thing where they let them run around the streets, not the big one in Pamplona. This was like a, this was like a, a smaller version of it. So there was like people going like going to walk, walk into the work in like offices and banks. And then like a ball would come running around the corner. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. It's that day when the balls went. And then, like, they did this other one where, like, they didn't kill it, but it was like a mini ball ring, and this ball was just charging around, confused, and everyone was just getting in and, and getting, you know what I mean, dodging it. But I don't think Forest Green would do that, would they? Mm, I, <laughs> I think... Um, I've seen, um, have you seen the Herbie film, the film Herbie? Where um, I don't know if it's the one yeah. with... Um, what's that name? Lindsay Lohan in it. But Herbie ends up in the ball ring. And he starts fighting the ball, and he somehow gets hold of the cape. Absolutely um, ridiculous. But um, that the one Shane Meadows claims was his idea. Like he went for a meeting with Disney, and he said something about just for a laugh. He said, "Oh, I'll do a Herbie reboot," and then, um, and then like about a year later, they did. It was as if he, he kind of, he, I think he'd given the idea or something. It could have well have been. You know, it's sort of like. Imagine that. Imagine a Herbie reboot. Herbie. Imagine a Herbie reboot directed by Shane Meadows. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just intrigued by this idea of um, balls just casually just running around this, the Spanish town, and they've almost forgotten it's on. They're just like coming around the corner, and there's like a you Honestly, know this guy, this guy got a big round of applause. He looked like he was going like, to work in a bank. He just came around the corner, and this ball just came charging, and he's like neatly sidestepped it and everyone went and he just like carried on walking to work but i'll tell you what maybe they could live in up abington street i was there today and it, it it i think it could do a few balls running through it and just finishing it off <laughs> do about 30 pence worth of damage improvements <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so they were like a eco ball ring I, I, just have a, everyone have a look when you get a chance have a look at their plans it's number two on the plans it looks like a little ball ring to me in spain so an eco ball fight might be maybe you just shoot it with a Nerf gun or something or just... Uh, no, I, 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 I've just remembered something from the Fiestas. At night, as part, they used to do like a firework display and they used to have like a, a wooden ball with like fireworks like firing off the back of it. Mm. And, uh, and I was like, what's, what's that about? And my cousin was like, oh yeah, they used to do it to a real ball but they thought that was too cruel. So, ah, oh, fair enough. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's where we draw the line. We'll kill them, but we won't mount yeah, fireworks. We'll, we'll kill them. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll hit them with sticks so they chase us. We'll have them not running around the streets terrified. But yeah, it was a bit too far having fireworks firing off their back. So yeah, we just use a wooden one. So maybe that's the plan for um, Forest Green. But okay. again, again, you couldn't have fireworks there really with a wooden stadium, could you? I don't know. Mm. They basically haven't thought this through. They haven't thought through the peril of having a ball ring next to their ground. So I just hope uh, Vince Dale, if you're listening, just reconsider that one. They haven't thought about how they're going to pay for it all time, surely. How are they going to pay for it? No, the hugely successful businessman, uh, Vince Dale, has obviously not thought that one through, I don't think. And they've got 11 training pitches, haven't they, as well, which is just yeah. sort of like, we're just going to take the piss with the number we've got. We could have four, but let's just go 11, you know, one for every, <laughs> every player in the team. But yeah, I just think it'd be funny if they did an ecological dig out the back of the East End. What do you reckon? What do you think they'll find there? <laughs> stick, 
toxic. Isn't it toxic, that land? <laughs> it's, it's a junk underneath Six Swords, isn't it? It's eventually going to like all sink in. It's on, built on top of a um, landfill site. <laughs> it actually is. It's not even a joke. Yeah, yeah no, they've been, they've been saying that, though, haven't they? I remember when they built it, my dad was saying, oh, the goalposts will be like sinking into the ground. And then when that, was it two games in, when the Fulham keeper went to, when he took a step back, and um, his foot went in the um, the, oh, the hole where the rugby league posts were. <laughs> was it? But that and like, my dad goes, "See, look, it's sinking already." But it was just like that did yeah, happen. It, I reckon they might never... find um, Jeff. I reckon they might find um, Leon Constantine just wandering around in the shrubbery out there. <laughs> in the bushland. Every, every chance, along with other uh, other former players. No, the, the the thing about it being built on a landfill. Someone told me that's why. The road at the top, you know, at the top of the hill goes past the cinema and that. Well, that's why it's all bumpy. Mm. It's because all there's yeah. all this trapped um, gases underneath that's kills yeah. the subsidence. I don't know how I don't know how true that is. I mean, I mean that, that sounds quite dangerous. That sounds yeah. like if like a flammable hazard. It's mm, methane, isn't it? It's methane. Yeah. I always thought yeah. they should have, have like under soil heating powered by the methane, but <laughs> if you we don't believe in building stuff, you know, if you build it, they will come. And you know, if you don't build it, like Ian said, just, like, just don't build it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to you, Jeff. Um, how's the new job going? It's all right. Yeah, it's good. One semester in, uh, and we've already kind of um, spoken already about the university graduate on this podcast and at university we obviously try to but one of the, it's like one of the tenets of university is that we try to teach people to not have opinions but have informed opinions that are based on actually reading things that have been peer-reviewed and stuff like that so clearly is that uh, as uh, our aforementioned university graduate had a first uh, he's obviously got a good grasp of that and what he was communicating so on social media but yeah it's been a really good really good first semester really enjoying it um and there's yeah. um there's an elite sport program isn't there now at the university there is there is indeed so it's it's launched by the sport um the sports uh, faculty so i was involved with it i had to do an interview i didn't have to I, I i didn't mind doing it i did an interview on stage at the at the launch of the event the other day with Maisie summers newton mbe who is uh, Northampton's finest double Paralympic gold medalist, uh, what broke two uh, world records as well at the Paralympic Games. Really, really, uh, really great uh, woman. She's really, really nice. Uh, and that was just, yeah, it's really nice to be involved with all that. It's a bit of um, going back to what I've always done, which is into, like, I've always just been good, well, not good, but it's come quite naturally interviewing people. And you never really, if, you, if you've got something like that, don't you ever really lose it? It's like it's like riding a bike, isn't it? You know, it's, mm. it's, it's slipped straight back into the sort of semi Alan Partridge mode, with, uh, <laughs> you know, one leg crossed over the other and like a hush puppy dangling. Not uh, with the, the, yeah. the farmers though, not that farmers episode. That wasn't a good. good... Or the um, the uh, the Irish rebels episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... talking about that Slugger Maloney is uh, pub in town. Doing his rebel songs next week. Um, yeah, I just wondered if maybe we could get some elite footballers, maybe Jeff. Well, they do. Evening. Yeah, they have a relationship with because uh, obviously University of Northampton sponsors the the cobblers. Yeah. So they do have a relationship with them, but I think it only really extends to their academy squad training on our um, multi-use um, uh, astroturf football pitches. Yeah, I think that that's it. So, but they do have. There are some elite athletes in the university. A couple of there's a couple in the rugby team that have kind of played for 
there's one guy that's played for Ireland youth teams in, at rugby. Uh, mm. Is now at University of Southampton and people like that. But I think if you're an elite footballer, you you're probably playing full time, aren't you? So you don't necessarily have time for university. And also, it's very very rare that you know that someone from the world of foot, playing football goes on to to go to university. And I'd imagine even more rare that they get first. But as as we've seen, if you, <laughs> you are a particularly bright spark, you can do it. So. It's that dream is to the light. I always yeah. thought that. Um, the university would be a really good site for um, a cobbler stadium, essentially, to have that tie in with the university and like formalise it, like um, Coventry allegedly doing with Warwick Uni, yeah. creating a campus unit um, ground. Because imagine the ground down there, Midsummer Meadow, next to the, the university, next to the river. It'd be a great site, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be brilliant. They've, they've got a um, full size AstroTurf football pitch there. Um, so obviously, all the academy, all the sorry, all the uh, university teams play on that, but there's no stands or anything. But they've got the full. So because they've got the sports degree there, they've got all the physio rooms and scanners and, you know, S&C, strength and conditioning rooms and all that there. So they could actually use that as a training base, but I suppose they'll want to train on grass, won't they? Um, so I just think you should put a word in with the Chancellor, just get a new stadium there. It'd be a little short yeah. walk from town, bang on. Why so, not? Uh, Why not hey? yeah. Have you got a football moment of the week for us, Jeff? I have kind of, I kind of have. Um, so I was kind of, it was, I had a bit of a flashback in the week because, um, Newcastle United trying to sign Jesse Lingard, aren't they, from Manchester United and, um, Manchester United are basically asking for loads and loads of cash for, a, for the, for a loan, like a loan fee or even to buy him whatever. And it reminded me of, um, the reason I was always given whenever I asked the cobblers why, they always said every transfer that they every transfer that they um, sold was undisclosed, and in fact the record transfer fee for the club is undisclosed, isn't it? Brilliantly, um, for Mark Bunn, and the the reason was always that um, if we put out there how much we've sold a player for, then everyone will know how much money we've got, and then they'll charge they'll ask for more money when it comes to you know buying players and stuff, which is kind of what. Manchester United and with Newcastle, isn't it? Because they know they've got loads of money. They've just asked for loads of money. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I if I actually buy it. I, what do you What do you boys think? Because I always think like surely within the football community, agents and the rest of it, yeah. they it would be known, wouldn't it? How much? I think it, it's the f- footballers all talk that. Like I saw Kieran Trippier was actually saying that today, and like uh, John Joe's told me stuff before, but it's. I think it's more to do with you don't want the fans to know exactly. Yeah. The, the, and, you know, not even for anything sinister. It's just like, can you imagine that? the up, And I think our, our uh, record transfer now is, is probably Charlie Good, isn't it? Oh, it's good. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, still undisclosed. Though. If, still undisclosed. If, if we're, if we're, I mean, yeah, but pe- people kind of figure it out and they know, don't they? And the places mm. that say in the region are, and all this, you can piece it together. But that's, it's how people read it it's because like we have no idea what um clauses are built into that and if if i don't know there might have this is pure speculation but it could have only been 750,000 up front but then after 10 appearances or something we get another million which looks really good but then how you interpret that is all different and it's only going to take one of the money lot on um on twitter of which there is plenty <laughs> to start going over like every clause in these contracts and you can't say this is that amount so i think it's just honestly i would rather them just go like it's undisclosed you know it's a lot of money that's all you need to know 
get out. Because it is like um, it's a blanket policy as well. It's, it's yeah. like they apply it to the, the good transfers and things like that. But they'll also do it to ones that maybe they've got, you know, 100 grand for or something. So, mm. it's, yeah, I, I guess it's, it's all perception, isn't it? I think the record fee we've paid is still um, Josh Lowe, isn't it? Yeah, um, which was and I, and I've seen read that somewhere. That's like one eight five. So you think now, like Tom and I were saying earlier, uh, Ollie Palmer went to uh, Wrexham yesterday from Wimbledon, decent League One player, three hundred grand. So mm-hmm. there's there's not, and that's not a slight on the cobblers. It's just a sign of like yeah. what's going on in around at the moment. You have got National League sides breaking twice our record bank. You know, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah. then. All the players that we wheel and deal for, and out of everyone in the squad we've got at the moment, the one that we paid cash for is Benny Ashley Seal. And I hope it wasn't <laughs> more than Josh Lowe, because I hope we kept the receipt if it was. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Benny Ashley Seal, um, sponsored by like a floor cleaner for the amount of times he's rolling around yeah, on it. God, <laughs> I think actually Cobbler's record fee, like actually disclosed, is probably someone like Tommy Flash Fowler in the 50s, like 200 quid on a... <laughs> or something yeah Yeah. it's sort of that's just the way it's gone with Northampton and Josh Lowe when I spoke to him was very bemused joke happy that he was still with the um record signing from that summer where weren't Cobblers the new whatever Chelsea or something Jeff we're the new (laughs) summer weren't we the spending well it's when all the that was when the the money came in wasn't it the um and who's the guy is it I want to say Andrew Ellis yeah yeah. yeah, or is it good? Was it another good? Yeah, it was Ken Good. He was kind of the solicitor. Andrew Ellis, I think Andrew Ellis was married to David Cardozo's sister. I mm. think. Um, so they're all, you know, all didn't they fall out in TGI Friday? <laughs> Very We've possible. all done that. We've all done that. To be <laughs> That's what yeah. TGI Fridays does, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they they spent loads of money in that that summer, didn't they? They bought um, Josh Lowe. They'd signed Martin Smith. Um, Mark Richards they signed as well Ashley Westwood who else did they sign loads of players Martin Reeves just spent loads of money basically Martin Reeves spent all, all of his money on a very um, sort of uh, flash haircut down the Welly yeah. Road and also a pair of like some like um, sort of like baggy combat jeans like stone wash like a acid wash it was a bit like, trendy um, wasn't it on Martin Reeves they would have like so many slashes in them yeah, they were probably like held together by a, a, a couple of threads. Um, but yeah, there was the boy band years, the boy band years for anyone listening that missed that <laughs> on that. Um, but yeah, that was a good one, Jeff. And the undisclosed thing will continue to be a mystery for some years, I should think, with Northampton. Um, Brendan, you're um, a well known sort of football groundhopper, aren't you? Um, you've been you go to like quite a few games like a week, don't you? Could you give us like maybe your your top two non-league grounds that you like most? Oof. Um, so this week, uh, I didn't do any new grounds. I went, I, I'm a big fan of Hendon. Um, it's quite, it's probably my most local non-league one to me in North London. Yeah. Uh, it's not really any, any that much better than anywhere else. I just think like that, lower league football at that level, they're, they're the equivalent of Isthmian, but um, South Central Premier. So to no division below the National League South. Um, this the people that make it and and the people that run that club are absolute legends. Um, Sue, who runs the merch shop there, is a sweetheart. She's got a direct line to my wallet at the moment. I've just spent so much money on Hendon like memorabilia that I don't need. But um, 
yeah, I, I'd love, I love Hendon. I'd, I'd recommend anyone to go down. Some good people there. It's, it's one of those amateur clubs that's always been around. So they've got a really amazing, rich history, and they've managed to preserve a lot of it. So there's a lot to get into there. Um, and then I, last week, the new one of the new grounds I went to was Chelmsford City. Um, it, and at first glance, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll enjoy this because it was an athletic track ground, which you know you don't get to see much of the game. But they've kind of is this weird like maze where you can kind of get round the stands and everything. You can actually get right up close to the players. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to stand at the back of the athletics track. But it's kind of on its own little complex and there's an amazing clubhouse and great food. Again, there's another little merch shop and, and memorabilia stand there and everything and some lovely people there. So that's that's kind of like my favourite and one of the one of my favourites I've been to recently, Chelmsford City. That's cool. Did you know that um, Hendon's record attendance is versus Northampton from 1952? I did indeed, yeah. Sue, Sue my my, uh, my babe from, from Hendon, she told me all about it. They actually, um, one of my favourite things that we chat about when we go over there is back in the day in the 60s and 70s, a lot of these amateur clubs, it wasn't really semi-pro then, you were either pro or amateur. And they um, they used to have like the the amateur equivalent leagues in, in say, Italy or Germany. They'd organise tours or cups against each other and it was a quite a famous anglo-italian one and um hendon won it in the 60s and they did kind of they, we've got we've seen the program and they did like 15 quid and you could drive from hendon in north london they drove over the alps to italy in four days turned Amazing. up watched it was a double-legged final as well like all the european cup finals were then and they they, they beat them and then they drove all the way back for four days and to, to me, I'm like, that's a European trophy. I would sell a limb to watch Cobbers play in Italy. It was just once in my life to get to go over. We sing it every week over land and sea. I've never been overseas to see Cobblers. Uh, don't even those... start it. I've been trying to, I've been trying to get a overseas friendly with Northampton. I know they've done oh, a couple of little ones it. here and there, but like a, yeah, just a team, like a fairly established team in somewhere like Italy, Holland, wherever, yeah. Germany. It'd be but great. They, yeah. They, they did that. that. That used to be quite a popular thing for amateur clubs uh, yeah. uh, or like the bigger ones. And so we, we've been through it. You know, the players that play back then are, are club legends. But then we found out the other week that the team they played, Pisa, um, the goalkeeper, he was the goalkeeper that he, he played. He won a, like two European um, cups with Inter Milan. It was like wow. his little amateur club he retired to when he was like 38. And wow. he, was getting, he was playing, you know what I mean? It's just all these things you find. Uh, there's such, I think I tweeted about it in the week. There's such a rich history to so many of these non-league clubs, whether yeah. that's in and around London or, or, or back home in Northampton. There's quite a few around there. And I just, if you get a free Tuesday night or you can't make covers that weekend or whatever's going on, I just implore people to get out, put a bit of money into it, get a badge, get a shirt, do whatever like there's so many stories and so much stuff to learn that will make you bring a smile to your face or interest you if you, if you care about football. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Well, well said, Brendan. Um, do you know the record transfer fee received for Hendon and what player it was? I don't, but I imagine it's probably Ian Dowie. Ian Dowie? Like, yeah. what, what a name to drop, eh? About, I want to say it's like 20 grand. 30,000? Luton uh, Town, goodbye for them, wasn't it? Yeah, and do you know, actually, it, there you go, there's a link. Do you know who started their career at Hendon? Ian Hendon? <laughs> <laughs> no, Charlie Good. Oh, you yeah. did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, did, yeah. He, he played there for a season or two before he went to Scunthorpe. 
I think he played for an even smaller club than that as well. Sorry, Ian, go on. Did Ricky Holmes, he used to play for Chelmsford, didn't he? He played for Chelmsford, yeah. And I, there's, this is another, I mean, I don't know whether you, you want to keep this in because I could go on about this for a while, but my favourite Hendon player that we found out about is a guy called Boncho Genchev. Um, yep. I don't know if any any of the older listeners might recognise him. I've heard of him, yeah. yeah. yeah he played for the, Switch. He yeah. did. And he also played for Bulgaria in the 1994 World Cup. It was back when like you didn't make a lot of subs, but he was the regular sub to come on for none other than Stoichkov. Um, and he came to, he, he played around Europe and, and the Bulgarian leagues and stuff like that. Ended up at Sporting Lisbon when Figo came through, to clearly taught him everything he knew. Then he came to, uh, had a stint in England, I think uh, Luton and Ipswich, nothing really major, seen his career out, but he really enjoyed England. So he moved here and decided to open up a bar, which he called Strikers in West London. (laughs) And then he was looking for somewhere to train just to keep fit. And the story is that he didn't ring anybody. He didn't say anything. He literally turned up outside the door at Hendon's training ground and was like, can I train? They're like, who is this guy? Turns out he played in a, in a World Cup for Bulgaria and, and played all across Europe and everything. And he liked it so much, he made like about 100 appearances there. He had two kids, which came through the, the club's like youth system. He ended up playing with both of them. And then uh, a couple of years later, he retired. And then like five or six years later, they had a bit of an injury crisis. And they rang him up and he came back and played for a whole other season when he was about 40. Amazing. And it, like, he's just... Again, you, where else are you going to find that? I, I love there's a, a, a Bulgarian World Cup semi-finalist who used to come on for Stoichkov and he's playing in like some tiny town in North London, you know. Um, and he's got a bar called Strikers. And he's got a bar called Strikers. That's my favourite bit about it. He's gone back to um, Bulgaria now because he was oh, coaching. But both, but both his sons stayed over here and had quite a long... Not, this was all... When he was playing for Hendon, this was all in like the mid-noughties and, and um, I think he f- officially retired about 2009, something like that. But um, his sons had like a, a long non-league career over here, kind of settled over here and, and, and journeyed around. I'm surprised we've never seen him in a club this year. But um, yeah, I, I love it. And there's so much to learn and, and um, kind of find out about those clubs like that. So yeah, Charlie Good and Boncho Genshev have one club in common in Hendon. I'd love um, Boncho Gwenchev, I can't even say it myself, to play for Northampton and just hear Tim Oglethorpe have to say it on the radio. <laughs> but also, can we just discuss that name as well? That is the most like football manager regen name that's like <laughs> just a wizard, like Boncho. I'm going to name my kid Boncho. Boncho <laughs> Gwenchev. He, he probably stood out because they were all ovs in that team, in that, mm. in that era. They were ovs, Stoichkov, Lechkov. So uh, the Gwenchev was probably quite a yeah. bit of avant-garde there. Yeah. Love it. But we'll take that as your football moment of the week, just uh, <laughs> Boncho Gwenchev had a bar called Strikers. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> but yeah, get down to a non-league game if you can. We're all sort of non-league fans. And um, yeah, maybe Northampton might end up there one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right then, a bit of an artistic aside here. I'm pleased to be joined by terrace photographer Ian Parker, who has traversed the length and breadth of Britain, training his lens on what makes football what it is, really. You might have seen his work grace in the front cover of Stan Fanzine on more than a few occasions and uh, various other publications. How are you doing, Ian? You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm sound. Thank you, Tom. Uh, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very well. I'm a bit of a terrace photographer myself, obviously, and... Um, it's just strange. I found it strange in, especially with coronavirus and 
fans being locked out that I've sort of lost my mojo a bit. It, football for me is just less now without the, not just not the photography, but just the, that natural behaviour of fans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally agree. Um, I found it um, uh, to see like games on TV. I just and I find it quite a tough to 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 like sit on a sofa and getting like engaged in a um, game of football sort of anyway. But without supporters inside the and the grounds, no matter um, and no matter how big or small, it's it's just it's soulless. It's there's no connection between the supporters and the game or. There isn't sort of anyone to throw the balls back for from and it's a throwing or a goal kick and it's all it's all a bit flat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I um, I often when I go to a game, I, I'll, I'll almost we talked a little bit about Stuart Roy Clark before we started. You know, he just trained his the lens on the fans the whole time. I'm not quite that bad, but I will often see what's going on in the crowd or it's not, football games for me aren't all about the action on the pitch and that's that connect that I'm missing. But, um, you know, it's not all all doom and gloom. Let's talk about some better times when we could just go around the country or where we wanted, I guess, and, you know, take photos of fans and you've got some absolutely brilliant shots and we had, like I said, Stuart Roy Clark on previously, who I call the king of terrorist photography and we talked about his photos. It worked strangely well. Um, we'll put your photos we're talking about on our Twitter so people can look at them, but... Let's start with probably my favourite of yours is um, up in Scotland. You have to tell me what coast it's on, west or east, but uh, it's the Arbroath Pie Hut photo. And let me describe it for anyone that can't see the photo on our Twitter or whatever. I'll just, you know, I'll make a little description. It's essentially just a, a very windswept scene of a, um, a just the, the pie hut. And obviously they serve pies there up at Arbroath Football Club and a concrete terrace essentially isn't it um Ian you fill us in yeah. on the rest mate um well it's um it's on the east coast of Scotland uh, is our growth uh, so the sea you, you can see behind uh, the pilot on the the um the photograph is the uh, north sea and um and myself and, and my girlfriend went up in the February before Covid um sort of it and it was a Saturday. The game was against Queen of the South. <coughs> uh, wow. me. And um, it was, we opened the uh, the curtains in our hotel, um, of our hotel room, sorry. And uh, we, um, <laughs> you've never seen rain like it, Tom. It was <laughs> like lashing down. It was, the wind was rattling the windows. It was like, streets were underwater and I'm like oh, there's absolutely no uh, 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 like seven hour drive from South Yorkshire up to our broth I'm like <laughs> there's absolutely no way I'm seeing a game of football today so yeah. I said to um, Michelle uh, I said I'll go and have a walk up to the ground see if I can take anything then at least I've got something anyway to cut a long story short Tom um, I went inside, just walked straight in. I got talking to the groundsman. The groundsman took us on the tour of the ground. He showed us the changing rooms, the trophy room, the boardroom. He, he took us literally everywhere, Tom. And I, 
um, autographed him, uh, marking the pitch out. So, so I asked him, I went, surely you're not playing today? And he's yeah, yeah. in a broad, broad eyebrow accent, Tom. Yeah. He just said, oh, we've played him far worse than this. <laughs> I kid you not, Tom, it was like standing in a, like in front of a cartridge pressure washer. It was just, just horrendous. But uh, so I'd seen, I'd seen the terracing uh, just like a, it's a continuous like curved terracing in corners and it's beautiful. It's yeah, tall. It's original. There's original crushed barriers there. It's so almost it, like it's carved out of stone naturally, isn't it? When you look at it, it's almost like a natural feature. It's, it looks really great. Yeah, it is, Tom. It's. Um, I think I saw it um, on an aerial photograph of Gayfield Park, uh, which is our Brawls ground, and I was just sort of instantly drawn to it. So, so, um, um, back to the day itself, I saw the pilot. There's two pilots at the ground, but that the pilot on the photograph is just. Right on the very edge of the terracing, and there's there's just a grass bank, a wall, and then a small road, and then sea behind it. So I, we both, um, Michelle and I, went back up to to the ground for the game a couple of hours later on on the uh, Saturday, and I saw the um, girl just holding the. Um, and the rain had stopped briefly, Tom, but it was still the North Sea could sort of hear over the Tannoy system. It just looked like raised North Sea. And I just thought it's a perfect shot that Harrison just sort of like your sort of eyes up to the pilot on the photograph and to the sea and to the girl who's in there and then it just curves away and around. I think it's one of my favourite shots I've taken. Yeah, it's it's a great composition and uh, it's not a it's not a you know a Californian beach scene. It's a very very grey looking uh, sort of angry sea behind, isn't it? Which makes it even yeah. better. It's definitely like it's what I try to capture about football that the, the, uh, 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 it isn't all about bright advertising audience or it isn't all about glitz and glamour and Hollywood. It's not. It's not uh, like an Hollywood or FC sport, is it? It's football is football in its purest form to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that too, and um, I just think bless your um, girlfriend for um, going on a seven-hour journey up to our roof. Did you have to sell it with something else? Was there, did you have to take her out for a meal or something? I uh, bribed her with the, the, the prospect. It was actually um, Valentine's weekend, Tom, as well, um, <laughs> which is even better. Uh, but. Um, uh, the uh, the um, smokies are a um, are a thing, and we we'll, we both like seafood, and yeah. so well, we just had to try them. So that's that's my excuse of of the uh, trip up there. Anyway, 
fair enough. <laughs> Romance isn't dead. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, Scotland is a, is a beautiful country. I went up myself this summer. I haven't been before and it's just like so many amazing places. And I think Absolutely. Scottish, um, there's a lot of ground hoppers, aren't there? So for yeah. for non-league, well, not non-league, but just for ground hoppers, I think Scotland is a sort of a rich place to go. I went and I went and just took a photo of this. Um, it wasn't even football, it was shinty. It's on my Twitter, actually. Oh no, I'll have a look Shinty at that. goal, yeah, and um it's like a mad sport where they just smack each other with sticks, I think. But uh <laughs> yeah, just beautiful like backdrops and stuff. It was in the Highlands. Um if you, if you take a look at my Twitter, you'll see a photo of that. But um yeah, let's move on to another one. Um let's talk about the one of your dad actually, because that just is obviously a quite an emotional one on a family level. Um it's just one of these ones that it's your, it's your dad, isn't it? Um yeah, in his front room. Is yes, that the fancy top he's wearing? Yes, it is. Um, well, same as um, so uh, any others uh, football supporters will. Well, they all start supporting a club because of our dad or our mum or our parents take us to um, to the game or the hires us first a first pair of boots or a shirt or something. But and I'm sort of exactly the same. Um, and me. Dad first took me to Oakwell um, in 1986. Um, it was the FA Cup, the third round tie against Bolton, Barnsley 1-3-1. Um, wow. And ever since, he, uh, we've had season tickets, travelled home and away and stuff, and seen us in the highs of the Premier League and then the always the relegation scrapper like what's now League One and stuff. And, but... Um, it had got to like and me dad turns 18 July um so and he just it was three seasons ago yeah and he just says I've had enough I've had enough of going I've had enough of catching the bus I'd stopped attending games I was concentrating uh, on photographing myself so, so on Saturdays so yeah. I went to Barnes lawyers often I was at, non oi grounds around Yorkshire, um, and he just said, "I've I've had enough. I can't catch bus into town, etc., etc." And and I just wanted to uh, document his what was his match day routine. So that, that um, shot is my dad sat, sat, uh, sat on his settee on his sofa. He's having a bacon sandwich. He's reading the I think it's Daily Mirror I hope yeah. it isn't Sun uh, <laughs> that's a different story um, but yeah he's just sat there he's got his like he's had his shirt on from 8 o'clock in the morning Tom he's excited he's going to, to a game of football he's, he's, yeah. he's got his so he's um, his dad's loved his football all his life he's played football he's uh, supported Barnsley all his life. He's he still supports them now, and he watches them on like like on iFollow and stuff. So it's just yeah. a, that is just one shot from a series of photographs I took on that day. It's a really nice it's a really nice image, and um, it's just indicative of you know when we talk about home home matches, it's just taken back. It, into that ritual of you know getting ready for the game like hours before and the excitement and stuff and just shows you even when you get to 80 or whatever it's still sort of within you when you're a football fan so it's a, exactly. a really good 
And I must say also, uh, so, 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 sorry to um, jump in there, but um, Barnsley f- uh, Football Club were uh, are amazing on the day. And I organised him like a, a tour of the like changing rooms. And I've um, photographed him in ch- changing rooms and in boot room and in his seat and all that sort of stuff. Oh, and, lovely. And they, gave, and they gave him a um, signed shirt as well. So that was nice. Ah, oh, that's really nice. I haven't really got that thing with my dad because my dad always warned me off supporting Northampton. He was like, if you support Northampton, your life will be just be full of misery. And he was absolutely <laughs> right. But like a, a young me is just full of it. And like, no, no, you're wrong. He, he said I should support AC Milan. And, uh, <laughs> right, OK. Yeah, so we used to watch Football Italia on the, on the, like the weekend. And we would, he, he would it was probably like Rijkaard and, you know, um, you know uh, Hullet and people like that that played for AC Milan, Van Basten, people like that. But um, Brilliant. But I took him to the cobblers a couple of times, but I had to ban him because he used to like just say out loud how terrible we are or laugh out loud if we made a mistake. So I was like, Dad, you're not coming. <laughs> but we we came to an, an understanding that he don't come. And yeah, he just sort of understands that I've got this, uh, you know, illness where I have to support Northampton. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was he supporting yeah. another English team or? Um, he, no, he, he watches, he's mad on football, but he just likes to watch good football essentially which we're quite bereft of as Barnsley and Northampton fans Absolutely. so he watches the Premier League and stuff and he's really like he's not got a team but he will just watch he'll watch yeah. that and he really enjoys it whereas I'm always a bit dubious with the Premier League I'm you know what I'm like I'm like oh you know this isn't real football but he just like just enjoy it so, so funnily enough when I go around to watch football with him I sort of quite enjoy it you know watching some good football occasionally so it's nice yeah sometimes it's all right yeah <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's finish off with, um, you've got loads of nice photos and I'll put, probably put them all up on our Twitter um, sooner rather than later. But yeah, let's just that. finish off with the one of, it's not, not actually what we talked about, but I, I really like this one. It's um, the young lad on the orange ball. Um, yeah. Perhaps tell us where the, the ground was. And, you know, it was it ended up on the front cover of Stand, uh, the now defunct Stan fanzine, didn't it? Yes, uh, the, the the image. Um, when I decided to um, not uh, um, renew my um, season ticket any um, anymore at Oakwell, I d- decided to go and photograph one of the many among play clubs around my hometown of uh, Barnsley. Um, and all clubs play in the Northern Counties East League. Um, okay. And the photograph is taken at a club called Penniston Church, um, which is uh, situated between Barnsley and Sheffield. And it's like it's on most people from the... Uh, um, some people call it she- Sheffield. Some people call it Barnsley. It's... Fr- it's the um, club where John Stone started his footballing career, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so they play in the, um, the uh, Northern Counties East League Premier. And it's a yeah. um, great club, great people. It's, it's, it's almost as cold as our brawl, Tom. It's, <laughs> it's up there. Um, it's on the top of a hill. Um, you can see all the. It's a small, ta- um, um, a small town. It's situated in. 
Um, but the ground club is run by volunteers of all ages, and the um, the lad on the um, uh, my image is one of the ball boys, or he was. This image is probably four years old, five years old, or something. But um, he's He'd been um, <laughs> diving around in the uh, goals at half-time, and he's absolutely covered from head to toe in mud, which <laughs> you, you can sit just about see on his trousers on the the, the image. But um, the lad had been stood on the, his ball for what seemed what, like an hour, and I'm thinking, how is he doing that? Is he is he like a part performing seal or something or what? But he um, but I happened to like just a turn. I pointed my camera at him, and he like he gave us this quizzical look of why are you taking a photograph of me stood on a ball when I'm covered in mud? Uh, but, but I like the um, the composition of the area you takes your, your, your eyes to him, and then he's yeah. on the ball, and it's just. It's to me that that is probably something I did as a kid. That's a game of football. And you get told off, wouldn't you, for making the ball out of shape if you did it? We always used to get told off for standing on balls without shadow of a doubt. So, so I'll have been told off for standing on the ball and turning it into an egg, and uh, I'll have been told off for diving around in muddy goal mouths. So, I that's what I like about him. He's also always got an air of like uh, mischief around him, whatever he's called. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, I agree, Tom. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Bill um, Stan liked the look of it as well, and he put it on the front cover, which is cool. Yeah, it was. Um, it was on issue. I think it was thirteen. I've actually got got a, a print of it on my staircase. Um, it was on stand issue sixteen, um, and it was I got. Oh, oh. Um, I I had four of my images on the cover stand, and it was just like a case of um, uh, Bill from Standard seeing my work on Instagram or on Twitter. Yeah, he'd just say, and I use it as a cover. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I'd be honoured to to uh, to have it. Um, so it's uh, sort of on there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, I've got that copy of that, and I always thought it was a very striking image. I think I got a couple in the end on the front cover. It is a bit of an honour to get it on there because you had a, quite a lot of good ones to choose from. So I got one in West Ham when I went down to West Ham, and I got I managed to get inside Upton Park as they were demolishing it. Oh, amazing! Which, it was it was amazing, but awful awful at the same time. Like seeing this amazing ground being ripped, you know, ripped yeah. to pieces. It wasn't like a decrepit ground. It was a really good. Really, Upton Park is a really good modern ground, and it was just ripped apart by bulldozers. But I got yeah. a photo for the front cover, and um, yeah, this guy, um, there were these flats that backed on, and someone told me there were these flats, so I sort of hung around the outside. And this guy was like, "Do you want to come? Do you want to go and look? Look?" So I was like, "Okay, you know, yeah, thanks a lot." Yeah, so I went out the back, and literally the whole ground was there out the back, like open because they knocked down one of the stands already. Really? It's like the whole of the ground just being torn apart. So yeah, I got a good photo of that. But yeah, haunting. But um, 
yeah pretty cool at the same time um before we wrap up can you just give us your it's a bit naff in it but just give us your links to your social media so people can check out your work Yes, I can, Tom. It's um, uh, the same on both Twitter and on Instagram. Um, And that is at underscore the Saturday boy, uh, which I'm named after the Billy Bragg song of the same title. Um, And I have a website as well, but that's currently redundant under reconstruction. refurb facelift so and that's uh, just www.thesaturdayboy.co.uk that's great and i'm sure people can keep an eye on for when that comes back online but listen i need to shoot off now i've got to go and talk cobblers like i, I do most of the week but it's been really interesting to talk to you thanks for taking the time to me to talk about your great football photographs and we'll keep in touch as usual thanks a lot more well, it's been an absolute uh, uh, Pleasure, Tom, and thank you for asking. And it's um, I'll um, keep in touch. Right then, let's have a new little feature. I'm going to call it Cobbler's Catch Up for now because I can't think of a better name. <laughs> a new feature where we go over the key Cobbler's news from the week. And if you're out of the loop or just can't be asked, just keep abreast of what's going on at Sixfields. We'll fill you in. I'm joined by Brendan Walsh, uh, Shorty Waddy's greatest fan. How are you doing, Brendan? Right? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, getting better. Okay been a bit of a bit of a strange week at cobblers it's sometimes it's quite quiet and sometimes loads of stuff happen and it just seems there's loads of stuff bubbling under at the moment um a lot of it to do with this um promotion push so the first thing we can talk about is the signing of idris canoe mm-hmm. signed on i think it's on line till the end of the season from you know from partial camp we can't say anything about that but you know um he seems like a versatile Tucker, I think he plays for Sierra Leone, just back from the African Nations Cup. What do you make of that, Brendan? Yeah, he, he did. He literally just got back. I think that was the slight delay with us with the deal. Uh, I, do you know what? I, I remember looking at him a couple of years ago um, and thinking that's a player we never signed. You know, when they brought him in, he's had had some um, some loans out as well in lower league. And yeah. I remember his uh, cameo against us in the the Pizza Cup. Well, I can't remember what year it was. Might have even been last year. And thinking like that's exactly the kind of player we don't sign. If you if you take away the fact that it's Peterborough, there's not a lot to hate about it, to be honest. I think it's just one of those. The headline is that we've loaned a Peterborough player. So ultimately, you're either going to give back a better player to your main rivals um, or it's going to be a dud. you know. But I, I literally just before this, I was reading Brady's comments on it and he was kind of saying, you know, he, he reminded me that football at this level is so local if he's at Peterborough, he must be relatively local. It's easy for him to get to this club. He'll, he'll um, you know, we'll have footage of him and, and been able to go and see him and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's one of those. I'm, I'm just trying to ignore the fact where he's coming from. Um, and if you do that, then I think there's a player there. He reminds me a little bit of um, Michael Miller, like very direct, um, yeah. quite tricky. It's quite quick. Uh, I've seen some deliveries and stuff like that. I think he can be a threat and. The Saturday just gone, you know, obviously I'm sure we're going to get on to talking about the striker situation at the moment. But I think what's happening in behind the strikers and feeding into them is so key to everything at the moment. There's no point going out and buying some, you know, star striker if we can't get it into them properly. And I don't think Lewis is is on form. Um, I think I don't know if we have the best depth out wide or in behind the striker. So, you know, we, we might not need to go splash big on a striker if Carnu can... Um, 
can be a bit more of a creative spark to what we've already got. Yeah, it feels like, and it, it did at the time, that Ryan Watson was a bit of a bit of a loss, really. He's, just, yeah. he's, he's never really a 9 out of 10 player. Sometimes, he, to be fair, he was when, you know, remember he was scoring mm. that little glut of goals. But yeah. generally, he would be a 7 out of 10 box-to-box midfielder, just a solid squad player. And it just feels like we're missing that a little bit. And do you reckon that some of the fans are getting a little bit of loan fatigue in that we had a really good start to the acquisitions and the recruitment, especially with the defence? Mm. And it just feels like it's sort of lost impetus towards the front end now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone listening ever spends much time on, on our forums on the hotel end. Um, and I, I pretty much only get on, on it on the transfer windows to, to see what NTFC lads saying and um, and see what the rumours are and what people think. And I've had to stop at the moment because the negativity about signings, I'm sure like people have seen me going on about it online season after season, but it's getting ridiculous now, like, I just I, I I don't even think it's a theory, but it, it surely isn't hard to understand that if there are 20 goal a season strikers available, they're not going to be in League Two, and they're not going to come to Northampton. Is you know we have to do a little bit of, of bargain hunting. That's always the way it's been. There are so many examples of players that have come to this club with a reputation or with some goals under their belt, and they flopped. There's a couple in the squad at the moment. And there's so many examples of players coming here and it's their first men's football or they've never really scored before. Or they've been a bit of journeyman and they, they turn up and they find their, their form here. You look elsewhere in the league, Jamil Matt is the top goal scorer, I think, and, and having a blinder for the last 18 months at Forest Green. He'd done nothing in his career of note in terms of goals to games ratio or anything like that before this run. Or Owen Doyle when he was at uh, Swindon and now he's at Bolton. Never really scored that many goals before and then now he can't stop scoring. What about Harry Smith, Brendan? What about Harry Smith? Harry Smith, Smith, I think. The elephant in the room, not just because of his height. (laughs) I mean, again, it's it's lower league. If someone's not happy and they want to move back local, and Harry Smith could be one of those. Like He never really worked out for him here. I think he was always up against it because he was, we were comparing him to Bedane Oliver, who would, he was another one, had done nothing before he came to us. And then he ended up being player of the season in the League One team after that at Gillingham. Mm. Um, and Harry Smith, on paper, you looked at them and you said target men. But Vidane Oliver, for me, always worked twice, three times as hard. So it was really tough for, for Harry Smith. And he's gone somewhere else, refreshed it, and he looks good again. The only thing I would say is that I think I was quite in, you know, enthusiastic about the noises from the club about changes behind the scenes and the way they're going to recruit and the way things are going to work and looking at stopping this yo-yo thing that's gone on for years and years and years. And it just seemed like the recruitment had stepped up a level with people like Kyoki, we'll talk about in a minute, um, you know, just uh, especially in the defence uh, as well, like it just steps up a little bit level of quality. And then, yeah, it just feels like when you start going for loans again or you're looking for a bit of a last gasp, you know, season saver for of a forward. It just seems like we're going back to a little bit slipping back to our old ways, the wheeler dealer ways. But when you look at it as a totality, Northampton are a wheeler dealing club. We're not a um a Peterborough really that are going to go out and splash, you know, speculate to accumulate. We are a bit of the dull boy of the football world. And but then uh, I think just sort of the way the football is with its finances. So yeah, you've got to be realistic. Yeah, I think ninety percent of, of clubs out there are a wheeler dealer. Um mm. and unless we go and get some like fashionable mogul takeover you know that you look at Wrexham signing league one player for 300 grand yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the national league there are teams out there doing it but we've 
we've never been one. I know ninety percent of other. I don't hold again. I don't hold it against the owners or or Brady or anyone. We also we lost our head of recruitment again. Nobody's fault. It, someone's offered him um, a coaching role which he wanted, and we couldn't because we're mm. really happy with the rest of our back backroom staff. That was uh, Martin Foyle, who was obviously he's done really well with what he brought in in the summer, but. Not if not everyone he signed in the summer worked out completely. Looking at um, you know, Cabamba and maybe Connolly, I thought he 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 hasn't really kicked on yeah. from a bright start. And so it's just one of those. Is is if it was an exact science, every team would have a twenty goal a season striker. Um, yeah. It doesn't work like that. You're competing against twenty three other teams who all have the same, you know, ideas that we do. So yeah, I can uh, sort of um, I can sort of understand where John Brady is coming from. His most recent comments, essentially, he's not going to panic by a striker and, you know, he's going to um, bide his time and he's going to do what's best for the club. But that, for me, has to be underpinned by a, a strategy in the recruitment that they're going to look for someone, you know, I think you mentioned a guy from non-league that is allegedly, I think he might have signed for someone already, but um, someone in, a, in, a, in, you know, a prime age range with a bit of progression in them. And if we are holding out for someone like that and we have got a target, Completely wait, completely wait. But if it's just essentially yeah. a holding mechanism to, you know, keep fans the pressure off the fans, and then we end up signing a bloody another journeyman or a loan again, I'll I'll, I'll be slightly perturbed by that. It needs to be underpinned by something. The, the only thing I ever I would count, counter back to that is if you think of, um, dare I say his name, the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank days and the mystery Chinese money, we went out and spent money. We bought some players that um, for fees or we paid high wages for players that, you know, I I think that um, transfer strategy at the time had a lot of people excited and it it didn't work. And we were left with crazy players on on stupid money. um, But that can't be that can't be. That can't be the be all and end all of that of that. No, it can't. And and it's not a reason. It was a very strange situation with that Chinese money. It was, yeah. And and, and look, I, at the time, I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, exactly the same way I'm thinking all these other teams with their fashionable takeovers were looking at them spending money. But um, I just think coming out of COVID and the financial pressures of football at the moment, yeah. if we, you go and, I don't know, we could have spent 200 grand on, on Ollie Palm. I'm sure if they want to put the money in, they can. But the risk of that doesn't work out. And, and to attract him over any of the other host of clubs that would love to sign like quality players, you're going to have to put your wages up and, and, a, and a long yeah. contract for security. And if it doesn't work out, you only need one or two of those to not work out. And we could be looking at like um, being the next Berry or, 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 or Macclesfield or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I just, for me, I get it. I get it. Th- this league has always been about it's as much about recruitment and how well you can do that as anything else. And we actually have, if you look at the players that have gone on and, and like even under Keith Curl, some of the players then like where they're playing now, I was looking at the Salford game, highlight some of those players and where they are now, you know, we've actually done pretty well at that. And and there's obviously always ones that don't work out and there's ones that, that do, but on the whole, it's been pretty positive. We've sold players on for a profit a couple of times over the last years. We've had two promotions I just think the next step up from that when we get to League One is where we then need to go and spend the the money, um, you know, try and get someone at a, a prime age or someone you've got a bit of faith at. I don't think in League Two at Christmas there's a deal to be had and you don't want to do that and risk potentially really crippling yourself financially. And that there's it's very quick um, mm. 
fall to the bottom of, of, of League Two and out the league. I said it before that I'd really rather the money was spent on um, a Sean McWilliams new contract, something yeah. like that, where you're, you're team 100%. building rather than going for a, a promotion which is quite ahead of head of schedule uh, schedule yeah. and we, we also have a weight a bit you know stretch you, you have an asset there as well like i know yeah. it's it's an old school thing to not try and i i, I did like what brady said like look there's conversations going on about contracts because keith Cole's approach to it was basically i'm not talking to anyone about contracts until the end of the season and then we lost oliver um you know we've lost other players like that mm. uh, at least there's conversations there so you're hopeful i think it's probably more the players wanting to see what league we're going to be in next year and the shape of the the squad and stuff like that mm. but if if we were able to like tie down a player like mcwilliams who never puts in a bad game uh, has a connection to the fans all of this stuff then even if someone did want to come along and buy him it's an asset and mm. and again i think you said we were going to get onto it in koiki but that's the only reason he's not already gone is because we've got that you know, uh, option of the extra year, and it gives us something to bargain with. It gives us a reason to say, well, we're not desperate to sell, and if we if we do want to sell, then you have to pay X amount because, you know, he can't just walk away for free any minute. Let's move on to that now, um, Brendan, because the the, the current Koki trigger, not trigger his deal. It, there seems to be quite a lot of noise from Sunderland, and you know, like mm-hmm. no smoke without fire. A couple of I think at least one journalist has sort of mentioned it a little bit that they might be interested in him. Um, it's been reported that we that Northampton have got a extension clause in his contract. I'm not sure how long for, but it comes down to whether you trigger or not. And your you know your line perfectly reasonable is that just the fact that we've got a, a, an extension clause gives us some leverage in negotiations you know the counterpoint to that is well if you've got a a, a a clause just trigger it because if Sunderland are interested it'll galvanize their interest and if Sunderland are interested there might be other clubs interested in who what is a very good player and should be useful in league one mate if not higher so I can see both sides of it and I can also see that if I was Sunderland and I saw Northampton weren't triggering it and they were sort of talking a little bit I'll be like well they're not going to trigger it they're not going to trigger it we, we we've got the the whip handed they, they might mm. want a deal so we're gonna we're gonna get a, you know the damnedest best deal we can do you know what I mean yeah I think but it's one of those it's a poker game but at the end of the day it, we have all the cards there we we you don't necessarily even have to trigger it like we could trigger it and then he goes and breaks his leg on Saturday and, and we've sat there with a player that you know needs money spent on him uh, it, it's horrible to talk about like the racehorses or something like that but that's the reality of football and finances down at this level yeah we've got it there if we it, it only benefits us and we might we're saying to Sunderland if they really came in and, and they even like forced Koike to kind of throw his toys out the pram and say I want to go and whatever I think that's the only that's the other reason you don't want to trigger it because you don't want a player contracted to that doesn't want to be there and, and entering into that yeah, it's, it's kind of like a grayed out extra year on his contract because it's there if we want it, and and they've got to pay us to not want it, and that yeah, it's it's there to protect the club. And again, when people want to say typical old cobblers, I've seen so many people like you get um one of the the in the know accounts or I don't know like the Sunderland Stadium announcer, and they say yeah, Sunderland are interested in Ali Foykey, <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh well, that's that's cobblers then selling our best players, and I might like, hang about. Where's the credit for recruiting them in the first place? Where's the foresight for taking a player who was injury prone, um, hadn't had his chance, 
giving them a year contract saying that you've earned that, but also we're going to have an option. That to me all sounds like very good transfer business, very yeah. good scouting. Hats yeah. off to everybody. Yeah. How on, it's not like we're losing him even to like a Peterborough or someone else. If somehow he was to go, it's to Sunderland, <laughs> who were in the Prem not too long. Oh, God, sorry, that's my dogs there. <laughs> um, they're, they're upset about the idea of moving. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, the stage, but um, you know, they were in the Premier League a couple of years ago. They have 30,000 seat plus stadium. Who can begrudge a player who, who was looking at a free agency and not having a club yeah. less than a year ago to working his way back and doing that? It just, I and maybe, I, and maybe that the, the, there's sort of a, a realistic, um. You know the the, real, the realism of the way football contracts work and the way footballers work and the way the agents work and stuff is that maybe Koiki wouldn't have signed a longer deal because he sort of knew he was good. He just needed to get a few games and show how good he was. 100%. And he could jump up. So if he takes that a long term deal, he's tied yeah. himself in. So there's all, a lot of stuff at play. Isn't there's there? so much, and and you can end up like that. You even like sometimes those longer term deals they don't help a player who gets injured because you get injured you don't have anything to go and get yourself a deal but you can't get back into the team and yeah. like it wasn't a situation I don't think it was to do with his injuries but you do get like a Yasaka sim where you just sat there stagnating not doing anything and, it, and ultimately, the Iraqi international I hope, I hope but not. the Iraqi mess we used to call it but you can you can end up ruining your career over it so again there's a lot of call them FIFA career mode players on Twitter and they think it's all done like that and they think every player should want to play for, for Cobbers because we grew up wanting to play for Cobbers. It just, sadly, it just doesn't work that way. Mm. And, and I also like I, the thing that, don't get me wrong, I, I'd be gutted if he left. He's been quality. I think he's been the best left back I, I can remember at Cobbers for years. But we there will always be another one. And that's the kind of way I get myself over when we've lost these players. I was gutted when Charlie Good left. I was the one saying to my mates, like, no, he signed his extension. He's going to he's gonna stay. think he, he'll stick by us, blah, blah, blah. And, and when he left, we were all gutted. And then look at us now. We've got Horsfall and Guthrie, who I, I still think are the two best centre-backs in the league. Like, yeah. you know, there will we always be other players. And, and, and as we admitted earlier that, that football down this level is a lot of wheeler dealing. There's mm. a lot. It's short-term contracts, and it's a conveyor belt of players. And more often than not, we've had better ones than worse ones. I, mm. uh, Matt Crooks is another one. Was absolutely gutted, and then not quite on the same level. But Ryan Watson becomes absolutely key to the midfield last season. He didn't even move on from. He just relocated because of uh, geography. And that's another thing. Like so many of these career mode fans don't realise, like. You know, you're moving away from your families. It's some of them, like, when, whether they're young, they're moving away from their parents and they might be living on their own, renting a flat or something. Or yeah. the older ones are leaving their, their kids. You know, there's so many other con- uh, things to consider around a transfer than, like, what club's bigger or what team do I like more or do I support? You know, it's just not that easy. Mm. Sadly, you know, North I guess we're taking a bit, we're taking quite a, literally a considered approach. We're talking it out and stuff. Most fans just want to see the better players stay at the percent. Some and fans I, would say, why didn't you just trigger it within a couple of weeks when you are quite clearly very good? He would be probably peed off, but that's football. You just trigger it and then you you take your chances. And that is a line which, you know, is yeah. a really, it's, it's a line that's out. You know, yeah. 
it's, I, I think also I was really interested to see Brady when he was saying about Idris Khanu and he was like, I'm ignoring where he's from. He's like, I think football's a community. And he was like, I, if we improve him and he, and he, if he doesn't stay with us at the end of the season and we improve him and he goes back, he was like, I feel good. And that's, you know, although he spent a long time around her and I'm not saying he ignores that we've got a rivalry, he, he's Australian. He's kind of like a good player is a good player where they're, wherever they're from. And he's seeing the human side of it. I don't think he would hold Ali Koiki back if he really wanted to go. If he was like, look, they're offering me triple my wages to go and play in a massive stadium week in, week out, with yeah. a real shot of going to the championship. I don't think Brady's going to like say, no, stay here and, and help our player. From I think what he's probably said is, if you carry on playing well, the same offer will be there in the summer. You're only going there to be a backup at the moment by all reports because their backup left-backs left. So why don't you stick around for the promotion push? We won't trigger your clause and you can go in the summer. Or we get past the January transfer window, then we trigger your extension, then we let you go for a a decent offer in the summer and you get some more tape. You know, this is all under the idea that we're even assuming these forums and in the no accounts and whatever, even write that Ali Koike deals. It's a talking point, isn't it? It's just just a talking point. And I do think he's... He's uh, probably a level above League Two at least. So we'll see, we'll see him playing in the Championship, probably like in the not too distant future. Mm. But I, I think I, the only time I remember Brady talking about it in an interview was him saying that they were protected by the extension, mm. and that he said pretty much that to Koiki. He was like, "If you get mm. your head down, there'll be, you know, we're not pressured to let you go in January. It will be there at the end of the year." I think a lot of people have forgotten that, um, maybe missed the news that uh, Joseph Mills had a setback. So we don't have another left back at the club at the moment. I was going to ask you about that actually, Brendan. Where do you where, where, what is going to happen at left back now? I mean, if, if obviously if Koiki stays, um, it's not like we've turned down bids or anything as as far as we know reported. So mm. let's assume he stays. Mills has had a setback, so we don't really have a backup. We might dip yeah. in for a backup, but I doubt it. We don't really need three on the books. Uh, that Tyler Maguire. He can play at right back, so maybe he does a bit of a Dominic Revan and just stick him on the other side as a backup if absolutely needed. Yeah. But we we talked about this. If Mills did come back, he's the club captain, and uh, you know you've got to try and find a way to get him back in. But Koiki's so good. I don't know. I, Koiki's such a good dribbler on the ball, so quick. I was like, I, I'd rather have him on the left wing than some of the options we've got at the moment. Um, yeah. And then sticking Mills behind him because Mills just is, do what I used to do in. Um... Uh, pro evolution soccer too and put uh, Roberto <laughs> Carlos up front because he's so fast <laughs> up front mate honestly exactly. it's, it's, Do you know he's what I mean? a bull as well isn't he it's, I mean don't get me wrong Koiki can defend but we've had better defensive wing um, pullbacks wingbacks but going forward I, I I put him and Pinnock as our most creative and uh, dangerous players on the ball do you know what I mean? Well, and very different. Let's see what happens, I guess. Right, we need to shoot off now because we um we've got some other stuff to talk about, talking cobblers. But um, cheers for joining me, and um, I'll talk to you next week about this and other cobblers related stuff. Cheers, mate. No worries. Cheers. Thanks, sir. Cheers, mate. Let's get on to um, guess that cobbler now. Martin Slugger Maloney can't make it this week, but he's here in spirit, and I'm gonna have to take the role of his um game that he he sort of made up or cadged from someone else. Essentially, I'm gonna tell you a career of a cobbler's player without naming the name and just say the teams i might give you the years if you get a bit stuck um 
and you are just they got current or, or or is this included no now? no 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 brendan no brendan they're all probably about <laughs> nice so no um i've done it a bit more recent because you're, you're you're a bit younger than us so we, we need to be fair um some of these are quite recent and i've put a you know a couple of maybe an older one in at the end uh, this one's slightly more recent but i'm not going to give you a year because it'll be too obvious right so this one first club aberdeen I'm going to go through the, t uh, the, um, the teams, and if you can't get it, we'll go with the years. So the first club is Aberdeen. You might need a pen and paper. I think that sort yeah. of helps. A bit like Countdown. Uh, <laughs> Oldham Athletic. If you've got it, just say, let me know. Don't shout it out because we'll okay. give it a chance. But if you get it, just, just say, I've got it. Uh, so it's oh, this might give it away now. Aberdeen, then Oldham, then Burton Albion, then Northampton Town on loan, then Northampton Town full-time and then finally Mansfield Town anyone got it I think I, I think Burton know. is a bit of a giveaway if you can remember is it yeah I'll go through it again uh Aberdeen that gives a that's a big clue from where the guy's from mm. Oldham Burton Albion Northampton Town loan uh Northampton Town Town on uh full-time contract and then uh mansfield town to finish it off i would have thought you'd have got this one brendan no well, that's well, I'll, get, I'll give you goals. the years were you saying in did you say anything appearances and goals yeah okay so that's look at the appearances and goals he does we'll go with appearances and goals to make it a bit easier then i'll do the years that should give it away a little bit so 205 appearances for aberdeen and eight uh, 16 goals 23 appearances for uh, Oldham and two goals. So not, not a, really a goal scorer. 47 for Burton and five goals. 14 on loan at Northampton and one goal. 1-1 one, one free appearances for Northampton and two goals. So played quite a few games. And then 16 goal uh, appearances and zero goals for Mansfield before I assume he retired. I'm trying to think of Scottish. Is it... Is it, um, is it uh, oh, Xander Diamond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xander Diamond. Yes, well done. You didn't even have to tell the year. What did you get that from, Ian? Just by uh, just out of interest. I was just thinking Scottish? about the Aberdeen, Aberdeen thing, Aberdeen thing, and the loan thing. And then he went back to him, didn't he? Played for us, and then he went back to him and played in the playoffs again for um, was it Burton? Burton, yeah. Yeah, and then he came I, up to us. Yeah, I didn't know. And then he went. Man, to, so. And then he went to Man's. Yeah, he went there and retired not long after because of injury, didn't he? Okay. Yeah, a really good player. Just a steady Eddie, wasn't he, um, Brendan? Yeah. Yeah, but who's really who's good. the centre back who's now at like Banbury? I I was thinking of Kelvin Langmead. That's what I was thinking of. Kelvin Langmead. <laughs> Sorry. Not true, played in Scotland, did he? I can't remember. No, but that's what I don't, I don't know why. Look, I've I've had a brain fart. I apologise. <laughs> I'm coming back strong. Yeah, you come back strong. You, you should have a good chance with this one. Right, OK, so the next one. Uh, Wigan Athletic, Accrington Stanley Loan, Leicester City, Northampton Town Loan, Northampton Town Loan again, Barnet. Oh, I've got it, I've got it. OK, OK. MK Dons, Northampton Town, Tranmere Rovers and Salford City. Has anyone else got it? Or should we give uh, Brendan the glory? I don't think I haven't got it, so <laughs> I don't know okay. if has. You 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 go, go for it, Brendan. Go on, Brendan. That's the ginger ninja, Ryan Watson. It is Ryan <laughs> Watson. 
He um, will he be playing against us on Saturday? He will. He's been starting for them um, since he went over there. Um, you know, interestingly, if you look at his career, because it's when you said the the two times he played for us, he never really kicked on and played any like meaningful amount of games or scored any real goals before he was at Cobblers. And even then, he wasn't instant into our team. Um, and that includes Tramler, obviously. He, he didn't really make an impact there. So, yeah, very weird career path for quite a decent player because he's not even that young, Ryan Watson. But, yeah. Yeah, he, he came through the Leicester Youth Academy, didn't he? So, that, I think that's where he get a lot of his good technique from and stuff. And, um, yeah, just... Well, he came through the Wigan big, big Academy, I think, didn't he? Okay, he must have spent time at sorry the Leicester sort of youth. Yeah, I think he friends, did. Yeah. I think. But yeah, before he came to us, I think that's probably where the, the link came, maybe because mm. just too far down the road. But um, yeah, well done, Brendan. That's two got. Um, let's go for another one. This is slightly older, so Brendan, you're not you're not expected if you uh, remember this far back. I'll give it a go. 1897. <laughs> <laughs> Francis, no bottle. <laughs> I've noticed. Um, right, Oldham Athletic is the first one. Second one, uh, Hull City. Joking. Go Third on. one, Barnsley on loan. Shrewsbury Town on loan. Wrexham. Northampton Town. And Corby Town. So stayed local after we finished. Jeff, you got any idea of that? Oh. It was, messes with was, your brain because you can't place it unless without the position, can you? That's why it messes with your brain. Yeah, no. Who's the, well, who was the first club? Oldham. Oldham. That's a little bit of a giveaway. Uh, I think I do know who it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Friend, well, of, friend of the podcast. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Ian, you there, Ian? And also um, shares his name, his name with another friend of the podcast. Yes. Yes, it's Carlo Corazin. <laughs> <laughs> Carlo Corazin's Pizza in downtown uh, Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, so go on then, Jeff. Do the honours. Is it Andy Holt? It is Andy oh. Holt. The other Andy Holt. So oh, I've, got both, no, I've got both people's phone number on my phone without not name dropping in a terrible way. So sometimes wow. if I've, when I'm, I've messaged the wrong one before. So, <laughs> I was just saying, it must happen to them all the time. People get the wrong Andy Holt all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy Holt, the footballer, who, um, for me, Jeff, Annie, and I don't know if you ever saw him, Brendan, but for me, the best header of the ball we've ever had. Yeah. Unbelievable. I think yeah. I did when I was, he would have been around the first couple of games I went to, but um, I don't remember much about him. Yeah. He was, um, he was what you'd call a proper club man, I would say. And, left just sort of a bit sort of unorthodox really in that he could play anywhere across the left he would play left mid some some games when he jeff left back some games but he would always yeah, be the head on quite, stick. Um, they're quite successful with him playing left mid he had no pace whatsoever but no. to, to um to win that sort of that big diagonal where he would go on to the fullback who's generally smaller and win a header and head it back across type thing mm. um, yeah i think bayo liked playing with him actually because he would sort yeah. of like knock some balls down but um, Andy Holt was the captain, I think, at the time, and he had to try and get the um, fines off of Bayo. He told me, <laughs> and it was a, like a living nightmare for for one because he didn't really want to push it too far with Bayo because you know Bayo was huge, 
And two, because Bayo was just very good at getting out of paying the fines. He'd be like, yeah, big man, yeah, pay you next yeah. week or whatever. And he probably accrued like 25 grand. A <laughs> bit like that. But, um, but he's got a good story. He's got a good story. If you listen to our interview with him, um, he's got a good story about when he was managed under Neil Warnock. And I don't know if you've, you guys have heard it, but um, Neil Warnock, one time... He used to give um, them a dressing down in his underpants. Uh, so they'd all be getting changed. And Neil Warnock, for some reason, would be getting changed as well. Probably tracksuit manager, wasn't he? Getting changed into his sort of civvies and stuff. But he, he like, I think he was throwing teacups around and running around his underpants, like pushing people and stuff. It was like, and he holds it. It's been like imprinted on his brain. <laughs> it's not an image you forget, is it, Neil? Uh, What's his face in his underpants, is it? You don't forget that in a hurry. No, you don't. Okay, so this first one, Newcastle United, Darlington, actually Darlington 1883, which I think is the sort of reborn club. Yeah. Uh, Workington, that's a loan. Northampton Town, oh, is it with us more than one side? Northampton Town, then Alfreton Town, then Farnborough, then Haven't and Waterlooville. This guy's been around the block. Mm. Then Port Vale. Then Northampton Town Loan, then Grimsby, then Bromley, still going, then Wrexham, then Barnet, and then South Shields. Has anyone got it? Oh, is it Geordie? Uh... Geordie. Where did he go did to from us? us? Pardon? Where did he go to from us? He went to. Uh, mm, I think he was only ever, uh, I don't know, Alfredton on loan, Farmer on loan, and then Haven't and Waterlooville. So he sort of yeah. dropped out of the league. And then he went back into the league with Port Vale and then joined right. us again on loan, if this is right. Then went to Grimsby and et al. That's a bizarre journey, that. I can't yeah, all over the country as well. League. It's quite a bizarre player as well. I would tell you the goals, but the goals, the goals aren't really that relevant with this guy. Okay. Even though they should be. Let me give you, I'll give you a clue. Think about the first team. That is a sort of a clue. Newcastle. Oh, Don't... I know it. I know it. I know it. I didn't realise you'd gone to South Shields. <laughs> I know it. Isn't it funny? Before we say, uh, Brendan, he started off in Newcastle. I don't think he's from Newcastle. He's not. He's not. He's from London. Mm. And he ends up at South Shields, like the North East. Yeah. I think that's what was throwing me. Yeah. Who is it, Brendan? That's JJ Hooper, the Hoop Dog. Oh yeah, and it, it the, yeah. now you said there was the two two periods he was here. Um, yeah, that's that's the hoop dog, and I, I've just googled him now. He, it's not saying that he scored any goals here, but I had this image in my head that he scored a hat trick at one point. And was I completely wrong? That rings a bell. I think he did score some goals. To, do you know there's like false dawn where you think? Yeah, he's actually all right. <laughs> friendly maybe. I, I thought he scored away at Port Vale because I remember Rob Page was in that season. But yeah, anyway, he, he is comfortably the worst player I've seen play for Cobbers. <laughs> uh, easily. We talk about him all the time. How he was playing for us in League One blows my mind. And it does a lot now. He's at South Shields. South Shields, that's low for even the games I go to. How, um, how did he come twice to the club? I don't get I it. Don't know. No idea. He was, he was crap. 
<laughs> I'm looking at his stats now. Do you know what? They're not even that bad. They're not horrendous. But <laughs> I, honestly, do you know what? He gave me... We're the only club he never really scored any, any respectable amount of goals. He was one of those players that used to give you hope, a bit of like an alley slow, where you're like, I can make a pro. You see him on a Saturday and you're like, I'm not that far. I, I can give this a go. Um, and then you get someone else in to replace him and you're like, no, these guys are incredible at their job. <laughs> I'm just amazed that he's called Hoop Dog. Like... <laughs> yeah, the Hoop Dog millionaire. <laughs> that's what he used to call it. <laughs> he's 28. Oh, I'm nothing to stop myself from swearing it. He's only 28. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's been going for a long Stop time. If you listen to this, I'm so sorry. Plenty yeah, of time for a couple goals. more spells at the Cobblers then. Yeah, you may, he might be back. Seven yeah. goals at Barnet. They were rubbish that season, you know. Six goals for Rex, 14 goals for Bromley in National League South. But hey, we need a striker at the moment. Yeah, we need a striker. We do need a striker. We're going for a, ha- a hat-trick of goalless seasons for, for Cobblers. Hoop Quite dog. the achievement, that. But if he signs, he has to have just Hoop Dog written on the back of his shirt. <laughs> yeah. Brady, pull the trigger on the Hoop Dog. <laughs> on that bombshell, I think we should um, we should wrap up. Uh, I've got a shoot off. I'm going I'm going to go Strikers Bar tonight. <laughs> yeah. I can't even say his name. Is, Might uh, see Hoop Dog in there. Hoop Dog, Hoop dog <laughs> would definitely be uh, for credit in that bar. Cheers, guys. We'll um, speak again next week. Take it easy. Cheers, Cheers. man. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.